Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Hello and welcome everybody. Michael Sherlock here with another episode of Shock Your Potential. And this is another interview with somebody who is as passionate about mindfulness and meditation as I am, which by now you all know is something that I have to do every day just to keep as sane as possible. And we all know I'm not always very sane. But my guest today is Alina Heights, and she is a coach, a speaker, she's a trainer, and she talks about being calmer in the chaos. And uh, Alina, we haven't had any uh, chaos in in our world recently, right? (laughs) No, I I think it's been a pretty calm 2020. (laughs) So far, so good. Oh, wait, we're not taping this in January. We're taping this in June. (laughs) No pandemics. I don't, you know. Exactly. Well, and as we as we get talking about a number of things, um, I also want to be able to highlight you have spent so much of your career in higher education, and to me, a lot of what uh, the the place and the role of mindfulness and meditation that it can play with with people in the higher education system is phenomenal. So I can't wait to talk about that a little bit. But before we get into the nitty gritty, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit about who you are and what you do? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, too. It's a pleasure to speak about this topic. I love it. I'm so glad to have people that that want to talk about it with me. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because a lot of people who want to speak about this topic, it's because they studied it or they got a certification, a master's degree in mental health counseling, or they're, you know, psychiatrist-focused. I come from a different place. I really found mindfulness more from a personal chaos chaos in my early, early early, 20s. 20s. Yeah. So talk about that because it's really a compelling story about how, you know, what brought you to mindfulness? And I I really appreciate what I know you're going to share because this is something that the more we share it, the more we all find new common ground to talk, to talk to each other. Thank you. So I actually haven't ever done a podcast speaking so personally about mindfulness. So I, this is, you know, this is new territory for me. However, it's important, like you said. So in, in 2001, right before 9-11, I'm from New York. I was in Pennsylvania. I'll never forget it. It was two days before, because how can you forget that day as an American? Right. I um, had some anxiety. I wasn't doing well mentally. I wasn't sleeping well. 
I wasn't coping well. I wasn't eating much. It was a hard time. I was 21 years old and my parents were nervous about what was going on with me. So I had some mental health issues that needed to be addressed. So my father had picked me up from Penn State University and took me back home. And I had to really open my eyes to see that I had some, had some issues that needed to that work needed through. To work through. Mm-hmm. And that was very that difficult. Was very That's, difficult. Another, That's podcast. another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. But what I learned, what I learned was, was that although I was struggling with a lot of mental health issues, it wasn't just wasn't about going to a doctor, to a doctor and, and or taking medication or, medication or, therapy. or therapy. I needed to do, I some, needed work. To do some work. That was my journey. That was my journey. And that's yes. really and that's how I came how I to came mindfulness. mindfulness. Like my own like journey my own of journey looking, of to, looking heal to heal yeah. from the inside. the inside. Which is so important. Um, I don't, I talk about it every once in a while, but I don't, I haven't talked a lot about it. But what really, you know, drew me originally to part of your story was, you know, this, this understanding of mental health in your world. And I hope you don't mind, but you had it in your introduction or your bio about the fact that you've been living with bipolar disorder. And first of all, I love the fact that you choose the word living with instead of suffer from, or I have, um, because I have a number of friends who live with bipolar disorder and they struggle with those words and how they define themselves. But I have uh, lived with uh, depression my entire life. Now I finally found other ways to cope, but had I known about mindfulness and meditation in my 20s, when I was at the most vulnerable, a very similar kind of thing to you as I had just turned 21 and left the college I'd spent three years at because I was not sleeping and I was not eating and I couldn't manage my anxiety. And um, had I known then what mindfulness and meditation could have done, it would have helped a lot of the next 10 to 15 years, I think. I'm so thankful I found it anyway. But you know, those, those points, and that's why I say it's so important for us to, to be able to talk about it because everybody's got something. And until we realize that everybody's got something and that, therefore you know, talking about anything will help us to realize that we're more alike than we are different, no matter what. I really appreciate you sharing that too. And I do find that when we share about these things in the, you know, it doesn't have to be on a billboard. I learned that. I'm 40 now. It's taken me almost 20 years to actually be okay. Not even a hundred percent. Okay. But be okay actually sharing with you. But it needs to be shared, in my opinion, because there's other people that know someone or possibly have a mental health issue, and there's a variety of them. Yes. Mindfulness may help them. It might be part of their toolkit. Absolutely. And I think that there are a number of ways that we can help people recognize this and, and say, look, I'm not saying you have to out yourself as depressed or I don't, you don't have to out yourself as bipolar or you know, whatever, but I just want you to know I'm here. And just in case this might help, from time to time, I've had anxiety or I've had whatever. And mindfulness and meditation has helped me find space and clearness in my head uh, so that sometimes the rest of my head doesn't 
you know, tell a story for me. And, mm. you know, the more we try and have those conversations, I think we break, we continue to break down barriers. I love that. I'm all about breaking down barriers. Amen. <laughs> so then as you started to learn about mindfulness and meditation, what did it do for you throughout your career and, and you know, both personally and professionally? How, how did it help you? How does it help you? Well, we're human beings. So no matter where we go, there we are. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if I'm going to pick up, you know, groceries or I'm at work. The tool of being more mindful, which is really staying in the moment, keeping my head planted where my feet are, will help me in the leadership meetings at a college, will help me in a presentation. It helps me before I get on a podcast speaking to somebody that I've never met in person. It helps me in every single situation. If I choose to, it helps me with my five-year-old. <laughs> wow. I wish I would have had that when I had my five-year-old too. Now he's almost 30. <laughs> it's a process. <laughs> exactly. So then when you, um, you know, you have, you have this great role. I know you do a lot of volunteer work and I know you do a lot of speaking in a lot of different situations, but how do you think that mindfulness and meditation can really help someone in their career objectives? I find the mindful leader is somebody that can really listen. I struggled a lot with listening as an extreme extrovert. I remember when I was in an internship with a newspaper on Long Island. You can hear I'm from Long Island. <laughs> no. <laughs> she said to me, you're never going to make a sale if you don't listen. Mm -hmm. And she didn't, she wasn't speaking about just hearing. She was really actively listening. That plays a part in my success at work. Mm -hmm. But it's a mindful practice. Even in work, when I make an offer or a proposal, pause. Let them answer. Don't be so quick to come, you know. And mindfulness keeps me grounded because if I'm all like this and anxiety, how can I really be present for you? Absolutely. So, when we, I am a firm believer of everything you just said, because it, it falls in line with the reason I wrote my first book, which is about, it's called Tell Me More. And it's about active listening and leadership and asking more questions rather than jumping in with solutions or continuing to go. Um, you know, when you, when you are up speaking to people and you're, you're conveying this, you know, what kind of questions do you get? What kind of feedback in terms of, you know, people seeing how that this, how this can really play in their own lives? So a lot of times people think when I say the word mindfulness, they immediately go to meditation. They consider it like the same thing. Like if you're not educated on it. Now, mindfulness and meditation is a great practice. It's a, mus it's a muscle that you work out. And mindfulness is more, in my opinion, it's, it's a practice that is not just about, you know, zenning out on your desk. You know, that's not what mindfulness is. I consider it more like a functional practice. So when people ask me about mindfulness, they're curious. It's, it's trending. You know, it's been trending. It's on the cover of magazines. But what I try to tell people is that mindfulness is a way of being versus you know, like a, like a, like a skill like a, or the, like a skill that you, it's a, it's a skill actually, but it's a way, it's a way, it's a way of being, it's not something you, you know, you order online. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not a, it's not a class that you order online. It's a constant practice. 
Absolutely. I agree that with that is very much because it's, it's when I talk to people, well, let me ask you this question before I tell you what my answer is to them. But, you know, I often, you know, we'll talk to people and they'll go, oh, well, that's good. That's really nice, Michael, that you do that, you know, but I can't do that. I've tried. I've tried. So, you know, what, what do you say to people when they go, well, you know, this whole mindfulness or meditation thing, I've tried it and, and it didn't work for me. What do you say to them? So I get that question a lot because I run mindfulness classes and I do groups and trainings and I get people that want to sign off. And like, it's, I had a recent one in Zoom and somebody wanted signed off because they just couldn't do it and they were frustrated. So what I say and what I, I feel as a person who practices mindfulness, meet yourself where you are. It's not about being perfect. You're not going to go be, you know, a Zen master meditator on your first try. Actually, when I first started walking at the age of what? I think my mom said it was like nine months. I was an early walker. I really wasn't that good at it. Right. Same thing. Exactly. Exactly. And, and there's usually a resistance. There's a reason why a person they can't calm themselves down. They can't calm themselves even in the chaos, even in COVID-19, even in the riots, even in the, all these things that are going on. I mean, uh, you know, there's a reason why there's a storm and finding the calm in the storm is a gift, but it's also a practice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, for me, one of the things of, of my mindfulness practice that has been so exciting is that there are times when I'm not even trying to be mindful, where something will trigger in me, just stop and enjoy this moment. You know, just stop. There's something that caught your eye or whatever. Well, then look at it and reflect on it and just breathe into it for a minute and just be right there, right then. And my husband's always laughing at me because I'm taking pictures constantly. And I do that a lot for my blog that I write thoughts from the coffee table. Because I love these little funny, weird pictures, you know, just strange things. Like I went by somewhere the other day and somebody had taken red solo cups and put them into a, a chain link fence and wrote the word hope. And so I took that picture, you know, I'm always taking these pictures. But then after I was done taking the picture, I just stood there for a minute. And I thought about who decided to put this in there? What prompted this? Why did they use red solo cups? How many did it take? You know, and I, I just took a few moments to appreciate whoever did that, that I could see it. And my husband and I were talking about it later and he goes, oh, well, and he's pretty aware of things too. And he goes, oh, so that's also mindfulness. And I'm like, yeah, because we just were in that moment. And we just mm. let that moment be that moment. And there's such a joy in that, that, it's not about trying to be perfect to be the Zen master to your point. It's just about being more aware and really appreciative, I think. And it's, and I really appreciate that story. And I have to say, like, I also think it's about like not judging ourselves. And, you know, when I look at somebody, look yeah. at somebody who's present, I think of the children because the children are so in themselves. They're yeah. in the moment they see the sun, wow, yeah, <gasps> you know, this is sunrise, you know? or well, look at that animal, and it's, we're so distracted with money, and mortgages, and work, and responsibility, and tasks, so a lot of it's not just, it's also about one thing at a time, the idea of multitasking is not so valued anymore. Absolutely, well, because we know now we are not good at it. 
And so anybody who says I'm a great multitasker, I'm like BS. No one is a good multitasker because you may be able to do a whole bunch of things, but that doesn't mean you're doing a whole bunch of those things right. <laughs> you know, I always say I was worked in human resources for some time. And when people would respond, you know, I'm a great multitasker. I'm like, that is such a trendy answer from 1995. That's what people said in 1995. <laughs> uh, along with my worst trait is that I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> I probably said that in around 2001 myself, but I mean, hey, we're, we're, we're a work in progress. However, yesterday, somebody accused me of being a perfectionist. He's a really great friend and he was helping me out talk through some marketing changes with my company. And he goes, yeah, Michael, I'm not going to accuse you of this, but I just have a sneaking suspicion that you're a little bit of a perfectionist and you want everything to be perfect before you rolled it out. I'm like, oh God, that's Whoa. me. Whoa. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to pull the trigger on things. <laughs> it's a process, letting go. Yes, yes. And I, I so agree. You know, when you think about children and where they are, um, as you were talking about, you know, seeing the sun or seeing an animal, I was also thinking about children when they're so upset and they're crying and they're throwing a huge fit, but they know it's about time to stop it. And they're not sure if they should yet. So sometimes they don't be screaming and run, but then they'll kind of look at you and open an eye just to check, you know, whether or not you're still paying attention. Or, you know, if you show up with an ice cream cone and they immediately stop crying and go, oh, thanks, you know. <laughs> That's been in the moment. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very interesting practice and I do practice it with my parenting. So I have a five-year-old son and um, it hasn't been easy, you know, the last few months being home. Yes. Um, and no socialization. You know, I live in New York. We're the epicenter of COVID um, in, in, in the United States. And now we're in, you know, a better place, thank goodness. But um, we, had, we had some issues where, like, you know, everyone has their moment. And I think a lot of it, mindfulness has told me about acceptance. Accepting the moment. And being okay in that moment and feeling it. And, and kind of like you said before, breathing through it. through it. Yeah. Yeah. I had some, I know that so many of us have had some anxious times with all this. And um, <clears throat> it was hard for me to explain to my husband, it was probably, you know, the end of March, early April, and some point in time, the, uh, the one main doctor, and I can't think of her name with the, you know, in the US. And she said, if you don't have to go to the grocery store this week, don't go. And you know, cause we were just reaching peaks, you know, in Philadelphia, New York, everywhere. And I, and my anxiety went really high. Like I had not felt that level of anxiety. And I really was, I've done so well managing it over the last few years, especially that I was ashamed of myself. And I was like, oh, I can't let anybody know I'm so anxious. And finally I thought, what are you doing? So I sat my husband down and I said, look, I've got to tell you, I am really anxious. I don't want to go to the store. I don't want to go out of the house. And he said, well, that's fine. I'll go to the store. And I go, no, I don't want you to go to the store. I don't want us to leave the house. And I'll tell you what, just even saying it out loud and pausing to reflect and not try not to judge myself for having those feelings was such a weight off. And all of a sudden I felt like I was breathing again. And even though I'd been practicing mindfulness and meditation through that, I don't feel like I'd really breathed. And that sense of just accepting where you are, 
and saying, okay, this is a part of me and I'm going to, I'm going to deal with it. Good, bad, and ugly. So, you know, forgiving yourself, forgiving others and just saying, okay, in this moment, I'm scared. In this moment, I'm angry. In this moment, I'm whatever. And then being able to embrace it so that you can deal with it. Absolutely. I think that um, when we don't ignore what's going on emotionally, and as a person who has a mood disorder, I feel emotions probably, probably quite, I'm sensitive. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's easy to get caught up in the emotion and not, you know, I always tell people, you know, stick to the facts, focus on what you can control. And, you know, I, I, there are tools. You know, when, when so a lot of my friends have been getting anxiety, they don't want to go anywhere. Even now we're in, we're almost in July. Yep. So anxiety is living in the future. In the future. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. One minute at a time. Yeah. Even one second ahead of us. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Well, I want to make sure that, you know, we'll have all your contact information, um, but, uh, you know, I know I want you to be able to talk about where people can find you, but I'd also like you to talk just a little bit about your book on daily reflection. So if anybody's listening right now and they're too eager to, you know, wait to go look at the show notes, how do they find you? And talk a little bit about your book, if you will. Sure. Thank you so much. So I'm in the process. Like I said, I still work in higher education and I'm working on some other entrepreneurial initiatives because it's time for me to share my voice more. Good. A day at a time. <laughs> yes, yes. But um, I did write a book in 2014. I wrote it in six weeks. It was, uh, it's a day at a time reflection. And it's all on Mother Nature. It's not a religious book. And, you know, it's an I am book. So an I am the butterfly. I am the sun. And the book is basically a book about healing. It helped me heal. It was, I feel it was given to me and I needed to share it. And it's available on Amazon. Very good. It's available on Balboa Press, Alina, um, our heights, H-A-I-T-Z. But I wrote the book more like a labor of love. Like a labor of love. So if it um, it, um, helps anyone heal heal. or be more mindful or or present in their daily lives, lives. that's enough for me. me. Very good. Excellent. Well, before we wrap up, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Pearls of advice. advice. Yes, Yes. I do. Next time you step outside and it's um, whatever the weather brings, whatever is going on in your life, life, try to remember remember that your feet feet are grounded. grounded. Exactly where your head is. Because your head head and your feet feet are one, like your heart. And that like, like, no matter what happens, you can access an inner peace. By just keeping your head where your feet are. <laughs> and so I, true. I, that's, not original, I, that's not original, but I use that. I use that. <laughs> I love it. And it's so true. And, and that can help us to remember just this moment right where we are. I always say I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be exactly when I'm supposed to be there. Because if I don't look at it that way, then I'm always thinking that there's something else that I should be doing <clears throat> or that I'm missing instead of I'm supposed to be exactly here right now. Absolutely. That are ugly. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. Thank you, Alina. I am so glad that we got this chance to uh, visit and I'm looking forward to uh, checking out your book and having other people uh, as well. So thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Mine too. We'll stay in touch.
Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.